I once again met up with a Big 12 co-host as we celebrated 14 years since the I'm a man, I'm 40 speech. And we discussed Big 12 power rankings after three weeks of college football. Plus, I look at some of the biggest storylines for the Kansas State at Oklahoma State game this weekend, all on today's episode of Locked on Pokes. You are Locked on Pokes, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is up, Cowboy fans? Welcome to the Locked On Pokes podcast, your daily Oklahoma State podcast here on the Locked On College Network. I am your host, Linda Godfrey, co-host of Fantasy Besties and avid Oklahoma State fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindellians. You can follow the show at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter, or find the show on the Locked on Pokes Facebook page. Make sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest shows every weekday here with Locked on Pokes. There's no better place to get all of your Big 12 conference news than the Locked on Big 12 podcast hosted by Josh Neighbors. Follow the Locked on Big 12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Would this even be an Oklahoma State podcast if I didn't reminisce on the anniversary of one of the most memorialized post-game meltdowns from a coach of all time? It's been 14 years since the I'm a man, I'm 40 tirade done by Mike Gundy after a football game. We talked about it a little bit with the Lockdown Big 12 hosts. all we have a very important anniversary to celebrate 14 years ago today mike gundy told all of us that he is a man he is 40 um, which just felt so irrelevant when you go back and watch it uh and that he is not going to tolerate you slandering his players in in the local paper linda thoughts yeah. 14 years later um listen while it brought much needed attention to Stillwater, I'll give him that. Like, if he's good at one thing, it's media and like getting that attention uh, from the mullet to the I'm 40. But I don't know very many grown men that feel the need to like yell their age at a bunch of people. And a female <laughs> reporter, mind you, too. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a very grown man way to approach that. So, um, but. You know, I just live with it. Like, like that's that's the thing people know. I do fantasy football. I talk to people that live literally all over the world. And they're like, oh, so you're that I'm 40 guy? And you're like, oh, I just wish we could be remembered by something else. <laughs> so what's interesting is, I, I, you know, like watching it back, like my favorite part is he's like, I, this is why I don't read the newspaper. It's garbage. And, I mean, the guy wore an OAN shirt last year, which, like, political affiliation aside, like, I mean – Nobody's out here being like reputable journalism that that OAN is bringing <laughs> to the forefront. So right. um, that that part to me is ironic. Uh, Stephen, how do you remember Mike Gundy's "I am I'm a man of 40 uh, rant? Yeah, the death of print media. Mike Gundy responsible <laughs> for it. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, I remember it happening, and that was like my first introduction to Mike Gundy. I think because obviously. Oklahoma State was in the Big 12. Like, I was following the Big 12, but uh, that was the first time I remember thinking, okay, that's the guy who coaches Oklahoma State. It was bizarre. The funny thing is, it was – I mean, it would be made now for Twitter, and it still was a huge yeah. deal. But 
um, I imagine that would have got passed around like crazy on the internet today. And it did back in 2007. Didn't the guy who he defended, didn't he like transfer or leave like a year later? The kid, the like kid that? said yep. it ruined his life. Yeah, the kid, it was not the, good. The kid did not appreciate Mike Gundy doing that, which is the, <laughs> which is the ironic part. Now, Linda will tell you this too. It was used as a lot of recruiting material to be like, this guy really cares about your children. And ironically enough, the player, <laughs> that was like, this is awful. I really don't want to hear about it anymore. Again, I think if well, I, if like as a mom with a child, if you showed me that, I'd be like, that ain't it, that ain't it. John? Well, it's like that scene in Dangerous Minds, right? When when the teacher goes to stick up for the two little guys that are they're trying to pick a fight with the big guy. And they're like, and she's like, you're, you're, he's twice the size of you. And they're like, well, now we got to go fight him, right? It's, you know, it's the kid. That, he, he doesn't want his his dad, his coach, pick you know, sticking up for him in the media because right. it makes you know maybe it makes the player feel like he's soft and can't handle it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the best like all time post game meltdowns. You know, right up there with Jim Mora's playoffs and yeah, right. Dennis Green's. We let them off the hook. You know, they are right. who we thought they were, and I mean, it'll it'll live in infamy forever. Yeah, I think so. I was. I was like 10 at the time when it happened. So I, so Man, I really, yeah, no, I'm 20, I mean, 24 now. So I was like 10 when it happened. Yeah. I was like so 15. I, I think I heard it on the Jim Rome show. Dang, I'm old. Yeah, I heard it on the Jim Rome show. Cause like, you know, my dad always listened to it. I just heard him. I mean, I think he talked about it like literally all week. Like he got an entire weeks of content a week of content out. So um, I guess like part of it is too, like it, it, we'll get to Oklahoma State in a second, but like the fact that he's still there, in a sport where there's really not that much longevity and the fact that Oklahoma state is a top 25 program, like that's, you know, everything else aside, like it's pretty impressive. He's still actually at Oklahoma state and he's still the head coach and has had a very, very large amount of success at a place that, Hey, look, it's not the most, you know, sellable place to you be Oklahoma. careful. Just you, you. It's not. I, your I, words. I, I, he's not the most sellable place to water Oklahoma. I, I think. Look, I've never been there, so that, okay. That was, you know, I look for it's you know. I, I, I yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about some Big Twelve locations. That I, I got some thoughts. Coming up, Josh Neighbors from the Locked On Big Twelve podcast gave us his Big Twelve power rankings after three weeks of football. And me and the guys gave him some flack about where he's got our schools ranked and how he has the rest of the Big 12 fleshed out. But before that, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure intimidating questioning and wait while someone orders the parts behind the counter on their computer when you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? Let them know Lockdown sent you and save time and money while using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years. I was in need of new windshield wipers after all the summer rain. We've been getting in Oklahoma, and it was all easy to find on the Rock Auto website. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your truck or car. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Again, make sure you let them know Locked On sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
here is a clip of Josh, John, Stephen, and I going over some of the Big 12 power rankings and what we thought about how Josh had them ordered. Enjoy. All right, number one team in the power rankings, it is Oklahoma. Now, uh, not in the boomer. John says boomer. Um, I think that the upshot here for them is if you're an Oklahoma fan, like, sure, it's not going very well, but look at what the team did last year. They improved drastically throughout the season. And at this point last year, they had a loss or two, right, at this point in the season. They don't have that, and they've still played like crap. So the good news is they're, they're undefeated, and the only way to go is up. Yeah, man, my guy Parker Thune over at uh, OU Insider 247 Sports offered some great perspective on that after the game. He said, you know, they were one and two, looked lackluster in a couple conference losses, and rallied, you know, got some help in the Big 12, ended up winning the Big 12 championship for the sixth straight time. Now, you know, they're 3-0 entering conference play with a really solid West Virginia team coming to town. Uh, you know, the, the games are going to get tough. I mean, I feel like the Big 12 is as deep as it's been, aside from Kansas, who, you know, is getting better, but they're not going to be ready to compete with anybody. But one through nine, otherwise, it, it's there's a lot of teams that can knock off each other week to week. I mean, it's going to be an any given Saturday kind of a schedule for for Oklahoma and the rest of the Big 12. And so, I mean, they're going to have a target on their back and they're going to have to be ready to play. This West Virginia team is going to be no joke coming to Norman. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot to like. I mean, there's a lot that they have to improve upon. And, and I think that's an okay place to be. You know, they're finding some things, especially in the running game, that that really wasn't there in that two-lane game. They really found themselves in Nebraska or with the Nebraska game. And I think that's going to serve them well as they headed to Big 12 play. Yeah, their defense is giving their offense time to get better, which I think yeah. is important. Um, Absolutely. I think that's, you know, and that's not just because the interception last week. I'm sure everybody's seeing it went viral. Their defense ever since, you know, I know they only play Western Carolina and Nebraska, but they've been playing inspired good football defense. Has, so I think that's important. Yeah, um, I mean, since you go ahead, yeah. real quick. Yeah, real quick. I mean, since the Texas game last year, they've only averaged or after the te- Texas game last year, they allowed 17 points per game. You know, this year, you know, they allowed a lot to Tulane, shut out Western Carolina, only allowed 16 to Nebraska which Nebraska played a really inspired football. I feel like they played a really, really good game. Adrian Martinez is a really difficult matchup for any any team. And uh, I, I feel like they play, played really, really well. Their front four is getting a ton of pressure. Nick Bonito, Jalen Redmond, Perrion Winfrey, just been fantastic up front. They got some issues in the secondary they got to fix, but it's a defense that's really you know thriving at this point in time. All right, number two, this is where, this is where things will get, get a little weird here. I have Kansas State number two. Now, this is not saying like who is the best team in the in the best teams in the Big Twelve in order. It's just like, hey, how do we feel at this point in time? And because I watched basically the same group at Oklahoma do this thing last year, I feel pretty good about them. Kansas State thump Stanford, absolutely thump Stanford. That's a good SIU team that things got dicey against. All right, and they had they had Skylar Thompson get injured. I mean, they were basically playing a perfect six quarters until Skylar Thompson got hurt, right? And that happens. They got out the win. Will Howard played a really strong game last week against, no, it's pun intended, Carson Strong, uh, who I'm not sure if you guys saw him. Any of this guy is ridiculous. I mean, he's got a hose. He'll, he'll, be, he'll definitely be an NFL quarterback. And then I know it was a tie game in the third quarter, but Kansas State pulled away. We talk about, like, resume. In terms of what's happened, circumstances, and quality of resume, to me – Kansas State's put a put together a really strong three and zero that I think can't be ignored. Stephen, I'm going to go to you first because you cover a team that also wears purple, so that makes you qualified to talk about this. Uh, your thoughts on Kansas State so far? 
Never heard that comparison, but I like it. Um, yeah, if you're going off resume, I understand where you're coming from. Now, I think projecting forward, the drop-off there with Will Howard is going to be evident. But uh, they played well against Nevada. And, I mean, I think they play good defense. They can run the football. That's a recipe to stay in just about any and every game from here on out. Um, Dusan is a monster. It's a solid team. Now, do I think they're the second-best team in the league? No. But if we're just going off – what have you done for us so far? Um, I, I see your point as far as putting K-State at number two. Linda, any 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 uh, thoughts about Kansas State? I know the Pokes have them this week. Yeah, they definitely have – their run defense is fairly strong. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you've got a good runner in Deuce Vaughn who you like. I, I'm going to have to not like him this week, but from a week-to-week basis, I root for him so hard. Um like Will Howard, I think is going to fall off. I know he put up good points last game, but I I don't think he'll perform that well, especially against the Oklahoma State defense. I think it'll be a very formidable opponent this week in Oklahoma State's defense for Will Howard. So, resume good. Looking forward, could get a little dicey. Stephen, uh, Stephen, uh, John. Besides the anxieties of having to go to uh, go to play them in Manhattan in a couple of weeks, a- anything Will Howard put on tape this week? You're like, oh no. He might be competent enough to, to make it a third straight loss. Yeah, man, that's a that's a game manager that is managing the game quite well. You know, I feel like Chris Kleiman's game plan for Willard Howard was really, really good. Get him off, use him in space, let him run the football, and don't put the game in his hands, you know, to, to make mistakes. Um, obviously, as the offenses get a little bit stronger in the Big 12, they're going to be put in situations where he's going to have to make some throws. I actually had Kansas State number two in my my Big 12 power rankings for the Sooners wire. Um, so I see where you're coming on that. But, yeah, I, I think I think it'll fall off for Kansas State. You know, I love Chris Kleiman as a coach. I think Deuce Vaughn's fantastic. They're going to be a solid team. They're going to make a, make things difficult for a lot of teams in the Big 12, including Oklahoma. But I don't think they're going to sustain that that number two seed in the in the Big 12. Yeah, part of this was the fact that I could actually get them up here right now because the next five games are going to be underdogs. So uh, I wanted to get them some love right now for their start. All right, number three, Iowa State. Um, you know, this is this is one of those where it's like, look, I, I've seen what this group of Iowa State players has done before. Now, this was, you know, they had a different group of guys this year. I would put them lower because of their performances, but it's, it's, I mean, exactly the same group they had last year back. So Brock Purdy gets back on track against Iowa State. Um, huge game this weekend against Baylor. I mean, that's a team last year. I gave him the full, and I see it now, Stephen. You're familiar with this, but the we we saw the full Brock Purdy experience last year against Baylor. The first half nightmare, second half full throttle, incredible half from Brock Purdy. Um, I think Iowa State belongs at three, despite their poor performances. Um, I would, you know, I'm selling on the clones a little bit now. Nice. I think they win this week, but um, I don't see them as the number three team in the conference. I was just. I get it. Like, Iowa's a great team. You know, they're physical. They're hard-nosed. They've had their way with Iowa State in the past. But uh, that just felt like if if you're – like, if you're the second-best team in the Big 12, if you're a dark horse playoff contender, that's a game you got to find a way to win. And the fact that they weren't even really able to stay competitive um, had me giving some second thoughts on Iowa State. So, I think three is a little high just based on the one loss and – the fact that they, they were really – I mean, they looked good against UNLV. I know UNLV is a bad, bad team. Um, but what was that, Northern Iowa that they played in week one? 
and just quite close. Squeaked squeaked by. And yes. like that's that's kind of they lost Louisiana last a couple of years ago. I think they were in a dogfight with another FCS team. That's kind of a Matt Campbell thing. They start slow, but I just haven't been overly impressed with Iowa State so far. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, let's go to number four now. West Virginia. All right, so I think I put them here at number four because they have the best win, right? That Virginia Tech win by all standards. I think actually I would put Oklahoma State going up to Boise and winning at number two. I think this win was impressive because, good Lord, their offense tried to give this thing away. I mean, every opportunity – Jared Daigie sucks. He is not good. I mean, I, like, I'm – this is as high as they get, probably. Now that defense, they—you talk about standing tall, wrestling term, standing tall at the end of a pay-per-view. You know, somebody's up there. They got three stops inside the five. Three times Virginia Tech got inside the five-yard line. Three times West Virginia shut them down and did not allow them to score. One at the end of the first half, and two in the fourth quarter. They've scored six points in four quarters against Power Five teams this year. That is bad. That is really bad. But right for right now, I think Neil Brown's a very good coach. Buddy Brown is absolutely fantastic. And then their defense is really good. Problem is the quarterback's not very good. Um, what do you think, John, as you kind of look at the matchup this week with Oklahoma, how do you feel about my assessment of the Mountaineers? I mean, football is a quarterback's game. If you don't have a quarterback, especially in the power five, you're going to struggle, but it is, it's going to be a tough matchup. You know, can the Oklahoma Sooners contain Letty Brown? Can they contain Dante Stills on the interior? That's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. Andrew Rame took over at center in the second quarter for the Sooners and didn't let it go. Uh, he seems to be back from his COVID protocols. Now, are they going to be able to handle that matchup with just one blocker? Or are they going to have to double team, triple team him? It's going to be an interesting, interesting discussion. I actually had West Virginia at number four in my rankings. Mm. Uh, no, actually, sorry, number five. Mm-hmm. They jumped up pretty tall. I, I you know, had a couple teams ahead of them. But I, I was a big fan of that win. I'm a, you know, old school Virginia Tech fan. My grandfather went there back when it was, you know, Same. they used to refer to it as VPI. VPL, uh, Bill VPI, baby. Yeah, Virginia Polytechnic Institute. Yes. Um, doing that hokey high. So that was uh, one of my first college football loves. Uh, so – that was a that was a bummer for me to watch, but West Virginia, like you said, that defense, man, they, they seem to just put out really really strong defenses every single year, especially in the secondary. It's going to be a tough matchup for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, they just lost Tony Fields and Tyke Smith. They still look pretty good. Linda, would you rather have Jared Dahey or Spencer Sanders right now at quarterback? Well, Spencer Sanders. Yeah, I, I know Spencer right. Sanders Wishbone. has a ceiling. It's just we got to figure out how to get there. <laughs> All right, number five. So, I, Stephen, I put TCU here because it feels like this is the team that maybe, maybe, when it's all said and done, we're like, this is number two. They were number two all along. They've only played two games, which is a problem, and they let Cal put up some points on them. Uh, I think they're going to look really good this week. I know it's a rivalry game, could be closer, but I'm putting TCU at five. They deserve to be towards the top, I think. But I just it's been two games, so I can't put them any higher. How do you feel about that? Come on, Josh. They beat the mighty Duquesne Dukes, who went on the road <laughs> in Wesley. Ohio last they week. Did. That's right. That is true. Then they took down the mighty Cal Bears, who were part of the Alliance and part of the Pac-12. <laughs> and I think they're one and two now. I didn't really check their score. Last <laughs> they, week. they lost to Nevada. Yeah, they lost to Nevada. Okay. So, All right. so they're one and two. Beautiful. Um, they scored 30 points in that game, which I didn't know was legal against a power five opponent, given what I've seen from TCU <laughs> over the past few years. Uh, yeah, that's probably right. I, I do. I agree with you. I think this is a big game 
Um, just from the standpoint of SMU's been chirping because they won the Iron Skillet. All great rivalries are fought, fights over cookware um, <laughs> a couple of years ago. And so they didn't play last year because of COVID, and they've had this thing for two years. And Sonny Dykes was like cooking frog legs in it, and their players have been trash talking. Um, yeah, so- what is happening? They just beat – it's one of the by Hail Mary. And there are people talking about like the quality of Fort, Fort Worth as a as a yeah. town, as a, as, a, as a municipality. What's happening right Fort now? Worth greater. Yeah, yeah Rasheed Rice, one of their wide receivers, was – saying that um, Dallas is better than Fort Worth. And he said TCU is ranked, and, which is not true. I wish they were, but they're not. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, he was like, they're ranked. I was like, what poll? Oh, this, this is happening. In the, in the SMU poll, I guess. Um, <laughs> so anyway, even though SMU is a good team, this is a game that I feel like they should win by 30 points. And if they don't, then there might be cons- some concern level because usually this is a matchup where they're not nearly as motivated as the ponies are, but I, I think the, the motivation should be there for TCU. Um, uh, yeah, they got some things to figure out, but I think the fact that they were able to put up 34 points on Cal in a game where they weren't super consistent on offense is encouraging. Um, so given what we've seen from the Big 12, I really feel like there's a legit shot that they could be you know, the second or third best team in the league, but they have to go out there and prove it. And we'll we'll get more of that when they play Texas in a couple of weeks, but uh, you got to beat SMU first, so we'll see how that plays out on Saturday. If they thump SMU, will Gary Patterson write a song about it? I hope not. I hope he's, <laughs> no, 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 no. I hope he's grinding tape, brother. Yeah, I, I, yes, I hope he is too. Number six is Texas, and so I know the, the Texas folks who watch this are going to complain about this. But look, you beat here's here's the bill on Texas. Against inferior competition, which we saw against Rice, and uh, this Rice is not is barely an FBS team. Uh, this version of Rice, at least, is like when it's inferior athletes, they look really good. When the playing field is even, that's where my concerns come in for the offensive line. I'm we talked about this some last week. I think they might be making the Casey Thompson change because Sark does not have confidence in the offensive line and thinks, hey, down the line, we're going to have to move the pocket some. We're going to need a guy who can get out of there because I don't know if we can necessarily block up front when we go up against Oklahoma and TCU and Oklahoma State and West Virginia. That's my read on it. So I think because of the quarterback situation and because of how horribly they were at stopping them. I mean, they got pushed around both sides against, against Arkansas. So, John, I'll go to you first on this one. Is Texas at six okay right now? I know they just won fifty-eight nothing, but you know against against the competition when it steps up, I feel like they're going to have some issues, especially an offensive line. Well, if the Texas fans that watch this show don't like you having them at six, they're definitely oh, not going to like comes the down. fact. Many thumbs down coming here. They're definitely not going to like the fact that I've got them at eight over at the. Oh, oh, oh no! So let me just say, yeah, that Arkansas loss is bad. Okay. And it's also a little bit that's on Sark. You know, you, you made a quarterback decision. You went with Hudson card. You made the wrong decision. Is he going to continue to make the wrong decisions? We'll see. I, I've just not been a, been a big fan of Sark. You know, like if he's got Alabama's players and Nick Saban's recruits, he's been fantastic. But I mean, what has he been as a head coach other than just kind of a little bit above average, uh, you know, Casey Thompson's fantastic. I, you know, he was good this week against rice. He's not a fantastic quarterback, but he was good. John Robinson, still a big time player. I'm just not I'm just not sold on Texas being back yet. 
until until they're able to, you know, win early. You know, was who, I think it was Kyle Umlong that posted something that's like for the, for the first time since 1977, they have a head coach that can start three and one. Wow. In their first four games. That's, that's ridiculous to me. It's unbelievable. And so, yeah, I, I just don't know, man. Texas just to me, I'm not sold on. I got to see him against some better competition and I got to see Casey Thompson against, against better competition. We've seen him in before and he's been okay. Yeah. I think that we you know the, the athletic challenge is what I'm looking at, right? When, when the athletes and all things are equal, because I'm not saying, you know, Texas in theory actually does have better athletes in Arkansas. Supposedly. Supposedly, but they're rough, but they got absolutely flattened uh, at, the, at the point of attack in that game. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. I want to ask Linda, you know, when you think about Bijan Robinson, like I'd say after three games, he's the he's the most talented player in this entire conference. So I, I'm actually I'm pretty comfortable saying that. Do you think yeah, when you have a guy like that, you have the chance maybe like you maybe have a chance to even the odds when you got some that's kind of your ace in the hole in a way. I don't know, because for somebody like B. John Robinson to have a good game, you've got to have that strength around him. That offensive line we talked about not being so stellar is not uh, great. So I think he's a fantastic player. I don't know if he's an ace in the hole against some of the offenses and defenses they're going to have to play. I I would have them lower than six, but my I, I'm not sold at all on Texas I'm never sold on the be back memo, but especially this year, it feels like they're very unback. All right. Speaking of really bad offensive lines, Oklahoma State's at number two. Uh, <laughs> you said about, specifically we we're talked not going to hurt hold on, my feelings. Hold on. This is okay, Linda. I, you and I, we should be we should be friends because you know I am like once again the real estate on people are selling all the real estate on Spencer Sanders Island. I looked into my left, my neighbors are gone. I'm looking to my right, the, the neighbors are gone again. The I, I it, I'm just left here after he threw what 13 pass attempts last week, a total of 80 yards. Um, they got away with one by, and I said this the other day, by hook or by crook, Oklahoma State three and L. All right, and that is because they they've been very willing to adapt. Right, I know Mike Gundy's a quarterback. I know he's a Big Twelve quarterback. I know we've seen his offensive slinging around. Did you know he's a man? I, I he's also he was, he was forty at <laughs> one point in time. He was a man who was forty, but they were really they were willing to adapt last week. And for a guy in in Jalen Warden, uh, who I don't think had over twenty touches in a game uh, ever, you know, in, in college at least, they said, "All right, let's just do it. We're going to do it." And it, it almost cost him later in the game. It should have cost him later in the game, but it didn't. They're three and zero. And that win on the Smurf turf, once again, by hook or by crook. I know they're number seven, but still, this team feels like another one. They could, they could do some leapfrogging if they can get any semblance of consistent offense together. It's, I've been saying it for literally three weeks. I can't say enough. Like Our defense can keep us in any game if our offense can stay on the field longer than a three and out over and over again. And then the first time they scored, we did it in 11 seconds. I'm like, that's great, but our defense is exhausted. I, it's concerning and if you're Jim Knowles and you have that defense that's this stout Malcolm Rodriguez is like the number one solo tackler in FBS Brock Martin a fantastic player Harvell Harvell Peel fantastic player all these guys and I would not want to be on the field for the entire game playing for that offense rolled out that being said 
on Saturday, Tay Martin wasn't playing. Jaden mm-hmm. Gray didn't play. All of our best wide receivers. We're, we've got like John Paul Richardson and Kale Cabanis, who wasn't even on the 2D depth chart until this week, now that he's made a game uh, solidifying catch. So in fairness, we didn't really have it. I can't fault Spencer Sanders for literally not having anybody to throw to. Uh, so taking a step back and looking at that, I understand what the game plan was, but it's just not going to work every it's not going to work every week. It worked last week. I don't think it will work against Kansas state. Like we said, they have a great run defense. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get the game going through the air. And I am who maybe nervous talking about it. Could be a staring contest between those two teams. this weekend. Yeah. But, uh, the under, if you'd like some gambling advice, the under might be a smart, uh, a smart wager this weekend. All right. Three more. Uh, number eight, Baylor. 3-0, they've played, I want to call Kansas a trash can. They've played three trash cans, all right? They've caught, they've played three out. I mean, Texas State got beat by some FCS team this week. Uh, I don't – who do they play second game? Incarnate Word. Uh, Incarnate. No, they played Texas Southern. Texas State got beat by Incarnate Word. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's for them. Um, and then – Poor Bobcats. It was a one-score game against Kansas – now, look, Kansas – we'll get to them in a second. Um there was one score game in the second half. They managed the game well. The, Steven, you've been around this team. The calling card is defense and running the football. And so I will say, like, through three weeks, it checks out, right? They've been doing the things that we thought that they were going to do. So they're 3-0, and but they haven't beaten anybody of substance. No, they haven't. I will say the one thing that surprised me the most, and it's it's a little bit of a mirage given the competition, but – Pro Football Focus has them as the best offensive line in the nation. Fraudulent. And, I mean, that O-line has been awful. Like, even when Matt Rule was there, who is now doing things in Carolina, like, he couldn't even figure out that offensive line. And I know Jeff Grimes, like, that's what he does. Eric Mateos, really good O-line coach, Mm -hmm. come over from BYU. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine they flipped the script. Um, you know, that heavily in one season just by running outside zone concepts. But we'll see against Iowa State because, you know, that's a front seven that can get after you. Um, They've obviously kind of trademarked how to stop Big 12 offenses and and build a defense that can do that. So this will be a good matchup. I'm not – yeah, I'm not buying that Baylor's like – I saw some Baylor fans getting real excited after this win over KU. I'm I'm not thinking that – they're a dark horse or anything, but uh, they are—they do look much improved, even given the competition that they're playing. Because they beat KU last year, and the score ended up being like forty-two to fourteen, but, but it, it wasn't—it yeah. wasn't like that. Like this team is better, but they still have a ways to go. Yeah, they do. I'm with you on that, and they got great t- t- great tests this weekend. And but here's the problem with their offense: Iowa State's defense. Like you watch the Iowa game. There was one, actual one offensive touchdown drive. Uh, it was a legit drive drive from Iowa, right? I mean, the, the rest was Iowa State putting them in great positions. And, and this week, I, I think the big question is, if Iowa State's offense puts Baylor, their offense in good positions, can Baylor cash in, right? Can, can they make those, uh, those mistakes count? I don't know if they can. Number nine, Texas Tech. So this, Steve, uh, uh, John, where'd you have them? And yours, I guess. Uh, I had about seven. Um, I actually had them above Baylor and above Texas because I just, you know, yeah, you know, the Stephen F. Austin win was not great, uh, but 
I mean, big win over Florida International, a big win over Houston. I just thought they yeah, were they both solid. I mean, it was they they <laughs> beat them by like thirty points. So I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. You know, and I thought the win against Houston was solid. I mean, Houston's not necessarily what they were under Tom Herman, but it's a solid program that's going to about to be joining the Big Twelve. So I thought that that was a pretty quality win after you know starting off down 14 nothing in that first quarter so uh i got I, I don't know texas tech is still remains to be seen are they going to be a team that can play defense can tyler shuck be consistent enough to, to lead that offense i mean they've got some talent on that offense but it's just a matter of consistency for them yeah i'm really this weekend's game against against texas is super interesting very i think their best chance is to make this a good old big 12 shootout right like yep. this is like, let's see if we can get trading scores. What, Linda? You have a reaction? My notes, li- my notes literally say a like big old Big Twelve shootout. Like exactly right. what you just said. That's exactly That's what I what wrote. What they have to do, right? Because they don't, they don't want to slug this thing out. They don't want to make no. this a low scoring game. They want to, and I think you know, I said this. The goal was for them to punch first and say, "All right, match us," because I think they they trust spread it out with their guys and, you know, just kind of, because look, I think they have three like really legit playmakers. I think Taj Brooks, Serato Thompson and Eric as a comma are all actually big time playmakers. They can get those guys out in space and get things going and, and just kind of make it into one of those shootouty games. I mean, they had Texas dead to rights last year, dead to rights and they blew it. And I think Matt Wells knows like maybe he's looking at a bit more job security. That definitely is. If he got that win last year, and he didn't. So I, I think this is a, a huge game for them. I think they can make it close, but the, the athletes the athletes thing comes into play here. Like Texas might be a bit more on the elite side here. Um let's go to let's go to ten. So let's go to Kansas. Who is it? Womp, womp. <laughs> All right. So they suck. They're bad. But but the end. But the last two weeks. The games have both been one-score games in the third quarter, which like feels really disingenuous to say. But also, as people who have watched this conference, like it is pro- it's progress. You, you got to stop <laughs> laughing for it not to be disingenuous. Well, it's, okay. <laughs> it, it is progress, right? Like it's actual progress. Like the fact that hey, you know, I I, I was I took the dog out for a quick walk in Coastal on Friday night. Came back inside third quarter. It's a one-score game on the road against a ranked opponent. Then this game, I was checking into it, you know, the, the other day, and I was okay. Third quarter, it's a one-score game against Baylor, who's three and zero. His fan base thinks they're a top twelve team in the country. <laughs> like that—that is progress. Because I will say, like the one thing about Les Miles teams is like they could be like your Les Miles coach Kansas could be down forty points in the first half. This group feels like, and like the fact that Lance Leipold is like something you know that that's tangible. Finishing games, guys. Like, let's put together a good third quarters. And then once, you know, that inevitably they get to the fourth quarter. All right, guys, let's see if we can finish out the game. Like, they have a building block. They have a win plus two two really strong first halves against opponents that are quality opponents. I, I personally think that's a building block. And I know I'm spending a lot of time talking about the number 10 team, but, like, it's all really important. to yeah. you know, It's important to us that they get better. So, John, I think that that's actual progress, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you what my boss over at USA Today says. He's a Kansas alum. He just says, I just root for touchdowns. So anytime right. they score a touchdown, like that's a win. Um, you know, I think you're right. Building blocks are important. You know, if you're going to build a program that's been as bad as Kansas has been in the last decade, you got you to gotta start somewhere. You can't just say, hey, we're going to go win the Big 12. I mean, nobody's going to take you seriously or be realistic. Um, 
And so the fact that he was able to take this team over kind of late in the spring and have them playing competitively after taking over for a guy who's about one of the shadiest characters in the history of college football. I mean, you, I think, I think you gotta, you gotta count some of these things as wins, even though it's not going to show up in the win loss record, you know, I, I don't know why, but I find myself kind of pulling for Kansas a little bit. I went to Missouri and I pulled for Kansas. It feels weird, but I'm pulling for Kansas too. I don't yeah. know. You just don't like people like teams being bad all the time. Like you want them to like rise up. That's why it was so exciting during the Mark Mangino years. Like when they had them competing for the Big 12 and, and you saw the Kansas Jayhawk Stadium, you know, just full of people just going nuts over these games where they're winning in the big 12 and they're like making every game competitive. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's great for the sport when there's a little bit more parity. Now there's always going to be tiers of teams and, you know, right now Kansas in the, in that bottom tier by themselves, but if they can like just inch their way up and make themselves a little bit more respectable, it's going to be good for the conference and good for every other team in the conference. Linda, what's your biggest qualm on my list? What is your biggest uh, argumentation point, I guess you could say? All of them. Well, honestly, here's the thing. It's OU and everybody else, Kansas. So it's really hard to like get nitpicky about it. Of course, I want my team to be your number two team. Well, like, I'm selfish. I, it's fine. It's fine. But ultimately, I think it's fine. I have Texas a little bit lower. I think Texas and Texas Tech are kind of Ooh. towards the bottom for me. But um you know, we'll finish second and it'll be fine. We'll revisit at the end of the year. Steven, you share my same opinion that the middle class of this conference is going to be really strong this year. Because I think their middle class of the Big 12 is, like, talk about the ACC, right? They suck. Their middle class is so absolutely crap. Like, Phil Dracovic is gone. And, like, Boston College, I think, is a good leader of middle class, but they didn't miss in their quarterback. Wake Forest might be the second best team in that conference for all we know, right? I mean, this Big 12 conference has a really strong middle class. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have a good mix of teams that are pretty solid week in, week out. Like K-State and West Virginia, you know they're going to play a good game, even though they have some limitations. And then you have some other teams like Oklahoma State. I mean, that defense is really salty. And if it is a blessing that they've you know, had three or four games here where they match up pretty well with the opposing team. Um, you know, you could argue beating Boise State on the road is one of the more impressive wins that anybody has had in non-con play, and they did that with a wishbone QB back there, at, at least as of Saturday night. I think Spencer Sanders is better than he showed, but he, he threw for less than 100 yards. So they're finding a way. Um, TCU, I think, has some upward trajectory. Like, I think it's a strong middle class. It, it's a, a group of a lot of teams that feel like they are in pretty good shape and could get better as the year goes on. Uh, guys, next week when I do these, should I add uh, the four teams that are joining the Big Twelve into the into the into the rankings? Yeah, I was going to ask you where you had like BYU and Cincy. Like how many teams BYU man? Have? They're pretty high. Yeah. I mean, they got they got a couple good wins. Uh, I don't think Houston's going to be very high. And then obviously UCF takes a spill this past. Coming up, I hit on a couple of the storylines that are making waves in news regarding the Oklahoma State versus Kansas State game. But first, one of the sponsors of today's show, Sweatblock, is stronger and more effective than the most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. There's a dry shirt guarantee. 
Living in Oklahoma, between the heat and the humidity in summer, sweat can become a problem. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, plus it works for up to seven days with one use. Wear what you want to wear with confidence. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. This is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether you're presenting something at work or going on a first date. Use Locked On on Sweatblock.com for a 20% discount. Again, that's Locked On on Sweatblock.com for a 20% discount. One final word from our sponsors, BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It's that time of year again when all eyes turn to football as players return to the gridiron. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at betonline.ag. Be sure to take advantage of promo code Locked On to receive a 100% welcome bonus. NFL season is finally in swing and the lines are open. If football isn't your taste, you can bet on anything from basketball to baseball and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Be sure to use promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on for your welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, this weekend we've got Oklahoma State versus Kansas State. K State comes to Stillwater to face off. Kansas State offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham said the plan against Oklahoma State after the injury to Skylar Thompson earlier this year was to play both Will Howard and Jaron Lewis. Now we've seen what Will Howard can do on a football field, but we haven't seen much or any of Jaron Lewis. If you went to the K-State spring game, maybe you saw him as a as a Kansas State fan, but in terms of other schools in the Big 12, we haven't seen much from Jaron Lewis. Courtney Messingham did say he trusts both of them to get the fall, ball down the field through the air, so it'll be a good test for our secondary. Oklahoma State leads the series 41-26. to they have a Oklahoma State has a five and one record at home when they're unranked playing against a ranked opponent, and K State is ranked number twenty five in the nation while Oklahoma State is unranked right now. So hopefully we can bump that up to a six and one record at home against ranked opponents. As of Thursday, Oklahoma State is a five and a half point favorite. OK State has beaten Kansas State the last two years, looking to make it three years in a row. However, the Cowboys have only won one of the last five Big 12 season openers. So it is going to be really crucial to get this initial win under our belts. Oklahoma State has won three games by a total margin of 13 points so far this year. So it would be really encouraging to see our offense get out, move the ball through the air. Kansas State's defense, their run defense is one of the best in the nation. And to have Oklahoma State come out and get something going through the air would be extremely encouraging going forward into even more talented offenses that we're going to have to go against in the Big 12. We all know how the Big 12 operates. So it would be great to get some points on the board early, to get a lead early, and to hold on to that lead. Make sure you check back in tomorrow for another Orange Friday. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians or follow the show page at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter or the Locked on Pokes Facebook page. 
Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Go Pokes!